When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Avoid rising energy prices and get a smarter home energy solution with B-Solar. Visit B-Solar and GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to the first serve of Monday night. Always great to be in the chair. Brett Phillips with you. Roland Garros is underway. We are on day two. It's an extended edition through the slams uh, through to 9.30 uh, tonight. So look forward to taking your tennis calls. one 736 736 You can get us on the text tonight. 0433981116. Thanks to Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery and uh, great prices. Free delivery on orders over $150. Visit tennisdirect.com.au. You'll get that nice little 10% discount store-wide using the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. So coming up on the B-Solar menu tonight, our folks will be on Roland Garros or about to get across to Paris and catch up with uh, Courtney Walsh in just a tick. Uh, we'll certainly take your calls. Have a look at Harry. He's already started to call Harry in Belmore. So uh, we love getting Harry on the show. We'll get him on in uh, just a tick. Gee, nice and early uh, tonight, H. So we'll focus on Roland Garros, the continued uh, UTR discussion in this country, which is uh, certainly hotting up. The ATP WTA decision to abolish uh, rankings points in the wake of uh, the Wimbledon call to ban Russian and Belarusian players and a whole lot more. So your calls, as I mentioned, right throughout the show, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or on the text oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. I've got screens going on everywhere. It is a really good start for Darius Savile. We can tell you from an Australian perspective, six one two one up Dasher. In her first round match, Naomi Osaka is out on court at the moment, taking on Amanda Anisimova, uh, two players who, well, they played a great match, of course, at the Australian Open earlier this year. Anisimova has taken the first set of that match 7-5. We'll look back on day one. There was one Aussie winner in uh, Jason Kubler, and we're hoping maybe for a few more tonight. Although it would have been a sleepless night for Jordan Thompson, knowing he's going to play the great Rafael Nadal on uh, centre court. Let's kick off with uh, Harry from Belmore because you are the great scene setter, Harry. You take us down memory lane before we get across and have a chat to Courtney Walsh. Uh, welcome to the show. Harry. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I met a man, Harold Twyford Jones, in 52. I, w- I had won a single. Nobody had beat me in singles for two years but I was playing a bit of cricket. He told me to give cricket away and stick to tennis, which I did. Harold, in 1970, the early 70s, was sponsoring four boys to go on a world tour, but Harold, the night before leaving, passed away. I went to his funeral, and the priest said, Harold had a knack of making a lot of money. The four boys went on tour. And they came back. 
one of them, Mark Edmondson, who came back a very good player and won an Australian title beating John Newcomb. John, who we called Johnny No Backhand, had had no answer to Mark. But Mark had a nemesis in uh, Vetus Gerolitis. Yes, he did. He, he couldn't beat him. And in one tournament, Mark led him two sets to one, 5-4 and love 40 on Vetus serve. But Vetus, with his serve, he used to put his index finger halfway up the handle. Mm. I used to think he was going to drop it. Mm. But he beat Mark. We all had nemesis. Rod Laver had uh, Ismail El Shafay, another left-hander. He could never beat him. Rod didn't like playing uh, uh, fellow left-handers. But with Vetus, I don't know where he was staying, but he went to his room and never woke up. When they went, there was a gas leak in his room. At the funeral, Jimmy Connors walked past his coffin crying. Mm. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Harry, uh, for taking us down memory lane and that one, a bit of a sad uh, tale, no doubt, but... I love how you take us back, Harry. You've set the scene beautifully. You keep listening to the radio tonight up there in uh, Belmore in New South Wales. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. We're going to go across to the French capital, to Paris. Courtney Walsh, of course, a former great writer for twenty years for the Australian. He's freelancing these days. He's part of our team at thefirstserve.com.au. He's got the lucky ticket. Walshy. Hopefully I can hear you. Come in. Walshy. No? I was a little concerned we wouldn't get play today for a while aside from centre court, but the, uh, the the weather sort of cleared about 11 o'clock. Uh, the covers came off. The players scampered to get a hit. And we're on the way to hopefully having another Australian into the second round in uh, Daria Seville. Indeed. I've got the big screen on uh, right here. She's playing nice tennis, uh, Daria, of course, against the uh, the young uh, Greek player. Do you want to have a crack at uh, pronouncing her name, uh, Walshy? It's a 16-letter special, so I suspect <laughs> in, a, uh, in a board game you'd be uh, doing ex- exceptionally well to be able to pronounce Grammatikapoulou. Oh, beautiful. Is how I've gone with. Easy. Grammatikapoulou. Nice. Um, like it. But no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good effort so far from a good effort so far from Seville. She's, you know, playing against a player who has come through qualifying. And so to be able to get the first set easily, you know, really impressive. Let's hope that she can take, uh, take the second. It's a little more even early in the second set. Well, we've loved the year of Dasha, haven't we? I mean, you know, to uh, to come back after the Australian summer, she went to Guadalajara, won a couple of matches. I saw her there in Indian Wells uh, where she was terrific. Um, so she's been building and building, and you feel like at some point this year she can get herself back inside the top 100. She's lost none of her competitiveness. Her matches are, are tight score lines. Well, she said that's the one guarantee with Dasha is that you're going to get one hell of a competitive effort. But today is a score line she'll appreciate because she is a a player that plays a lot of gruelling three-set matches. Today looks like a, a far more comfortable affair. Uh, look, no doubt. I mean, even in her leading, I think it was six in the third, uh, you know, uh, in her most recent tournament. And uh, it was, you know, a very sound effort, but just, just got edged in the end. So if she can get through, I've got, look, I've got no doubt that she's top 50. Um, I think uh, we've seen before, you know, she was a top 20 player, being able to win uh, a title in, uh, in New Haven a, a few years back. 
making runs to the to the you know the edge of the second week of a, of a Grand Slam. I think she's certainly a very capable player. It's been a really difficult couple of years uh, with the ankle and also the uh, I suppose the feet issues that she had. Um, and she's a player that relies so much on her movement, so it must have been so frustrating for her. But but fit and healthy, you know, I think we we've seen what she can do. Um, she's more than capable of testing the best players and, and claiming some wins over them, particularly on clay, I think. So let's hope she can get on a, you know, get a, get a win here and, as you say, put closer back towards the top 100. That'd be very nice. Let's look back to day one. We would have liked a few more Australians through, but uh, hats off to Jason Kubler. I think you're a fan of him as much as I am. Uh, three tough qualifying matches, uh, three tiebreakers to get past Dennis Kudler uh, last night. Uh, a career that... Possibly could have been anything. Uh, I've always felt, uh, while she, in my view, if he never had an injury across the journey, we know the knees gave him havoc. He couldn't play, you know, on the hard court for quite a period. He's been inside the top 100 briefly uh, back before he got that injury at the US Open a few years ago. But I've always felt he should be in double figures, you know, fairly permanently when I saw him as a young junior at uh, Wimbledon. So, you know, hopefully there's some more upside to the Jason Kubler story. It really is as though he's, he must have crossed black cats, you know, walked under ladders, any any sort of uh, element of uh, misfortune he seems to have had in his career. It's staggering to think that he made his Grand Slam debut with the Aussie Open in 2010. I think it's a 17-year-old. Yep. Didn't play another major until 2018. Uh, I think I was going through it last night and basically had attempted to qualify or played main draw. He played six main draws. This is his sixth main draw appearance. He's, he's attempted to qualify in 15 overall from 49 Grand Slams since he's uh, first stepped onto the court. And you only need to look in play against some of these uh, top players to know that he's absolutely got the goods in terms of, you know, you're right, he should be a you know a consistently a top 100 player. I think I love his all-court game. I mean, mm. the back end is a beautiful shot. Yep. He's got some power and some punch on that forehand and the serve. So really, really encouraging to see. And, and he didn't do it that easily through qualifying. It was... Uh, he you know, saved a match point on one occasion. On another, he was down a break in the third against Kudler. He he looked the better player, but you know you know he started well. Was very good in the first set tiebreaker. Uh, in the second, he had the early break, gave it away, but again was better in the tiebreaker and then served for it at five three, uh, only for it to get away again. But once again, you know the second last match to finish, uh, you know the lights were already on. He was out on court thirteen, uh, and to get through. It was a really, really good performance. And, and look, afterwards, uh, just watching, uh, you know, I, was, I was sort of side by the side of the court and to see him posing for selfies with adults, with kids. Yeah. They all came up to him. He was happy to oblige all of them. Yep. He walks in afterwards, uh, very unaffected, into the into the press conference, you know, carrying his own bag, sort of still wearing the same clothes. <laughs> uh, you know, we're not talking, uh, there's no sponsorship deals, et cetera. And then to say, look, I'm just me. I'm, you know, I'm no superstar. It still really surprises me. Mm. But he he's positive, you know. He he does. He's working with Stephen Huss, uh, yep. the former, you know, top Victorian uh, junior. He was of the same era as Mark Philippoussis, uh, Andrew Willey, etc. In Victoria, uh, went on to have a very good doubles career, a Wimbledon doubles champion. Now based in Atlanta, it's only been sort of a month or two, but he's 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 positive with how that's going. He says he's he's helping him with the mental side of the game, and we've seen a, a good result this week. And I think we saw a good result. Uh, at a challenger last week in Zagreb when he, or the week before when he made a made a semi final, 
So let's hope that he's really making strides in the right direction. Certainly it's apparent at this time that he is. Yeah, hard not to be a fan of the uh, very relaxed uh, Queenslander and a great plug for Stephen Haas, who, along with Chris Tonts, who's coaching Claire Lou, are doing uh, crunching the numbers for us here at the First Serve, one of our dedicated podcasts that you can catch uh, right across uh, the First Serve uh, channels. They take you really inside the nuts and bolts of uh, the game and I know he's a massive fan of uh, Jason and, and Hussey is uh, yeah, a great coach who's done some uh, fine work, particularly over in the American system there in the USTA. While she is with us from Paris, thanks to AATC, Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches, providing quality coach education right across the globe. Courses delivered by industry leaders and tennis business owners so you can learn locally, coach globally, internationally endorsed. So find out more at AATC.tennis. What about the other Aussies from day one? He looked pretty spent. The Nasi Kokonakis at the end of a, a gruelling match against Ramos Vinolas. Astra Sharma, an opportunity missed, uh, certainly. And I thought O'Connell might have got the better of uh, Bettenay, who was a little underdone, not having played a lot of tennis in the last six months while she, uh, what about your wash up of the other Aussies on day one? Well, let's start with Kokonakis. And it was uh, just one of those ones where you can see the talent is there. You can see how well he's moving. You can see how he's working exceptionally hard. Yeah, you know, Ramos Vinolas has, has rebounded. He was, you know, obviously had a very good year a few seasons back. Um, dipped outside the top 100 recently, but has, you know, really bounced back this season. I think he's back down to about, you know, 40-odd in the world. It was a really tight, tense match. Um, you get a great view of it from sort of, uh, you know, if you stood near uh, uh, Philip Chatry, you had a great view of this back looking, uh, looking at Kokonakis. And when he broke for five to serve for the fourth set, you thought he's right in this. He had the crowd, the French crowd, yelling, you know, yelling, cocky, cocky, and he was pumped. But just played a slightly loose game on serve, and in the end, uh, you know, a really tight tiebreaker. Ramos Vinales was able to edge him, you know, in four sets, but it took four hours, seven minutes. It was a, it was an absolute marathon, a really good one to watch. It's just a shame because I think he's playing. I think he's playing well. And I see it's just, uh, you know, he needs to get a breakthrough in one of these ones and, and get on the little run because with his weapons, you think that that's absolutely within his hands, that, that that'll happen at some stage provided he stays fit. So disappointing that one. Look, Astra Sharma, again, a little bit of a heartbreaker. She uh, yeah. started very well yep. against Krasheva. She uh, The second set got away, but then she was on top all the way through the third set. 30-15 uh, when serving for it, just a little bit of, you know, a little bit unlucky. Uh, Grishova came up with a great, you know, freaky shot really, but drops and then drops again to uh, to lose five in the third. So that, that certainly was a heartbreaker. Uh, Chris O'Connell, he, he, was, he, he said afterwards he felt really awkward against Bidani. He just didn't bring the form that he's been showing recently to Paris, um, you know, he certainly dropped the first two, and the third he looked a little better, but often in the case when you fight back, the fourth set goes the other way, given the effort you're trying to use to, to stay in the match. And so he was he was disappointed with the performance afterwards. Admittedly, we'd seen, you know, Aljos had missed much of last year, so he's probably lower ranked than what he should be. Yep. And we know that, you know, a few years back he was certainly on a run as well. So he, he's someone that, you know, he's certainly a better player than what his ranking suggested. The other one was uh, Alexi Popperin and... Uh, you know, beaten, probably not a surprise to see him beaten by Fabio Fognini, who on his day is an outstanding clay quarter, as we know, you know, a former top 10 player. Admittedly, he's dipped down to about 60. Probably the, the disappointing thing was that, you know, Alexi was very good early, got to four all and just played a sloppy game on his serve, which he was really unhappy about. Five all in the second, it was a lot tougher. You know, he, he got called for a warning, but he just couldn't quite win through. 
So five, four, five, and four. You know, he's disappointed. He said the last few months has been really, you know, it's been a difficult time. Uh, look, he split with uh, one of his coaches. You know, a friend of their show, yep. uh, Craig O'Shaughnessy. Mm-hmm. That sort of partnership ended in Miami. He's looking. Uh, he's just teamed up in the last week or two with Jeremy Shardy who admittedly uh, will return to the tour at some stage. So that's certainly perhaps a temporary thing, but he thinks that the signs are positive, you know, having won a challenger on the lead in and going reasonably close to, to Fob Nanny. You know, the, the forehand, the serve, the movement, the volleys, you know, the hands at the net are all very strong. Probably the back end is still, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, I suppose a little bit more of a weakness and something that, you know, you hope he can write that because the rest of his game, the weapons are there, but he did seem, very positive. He, se- he seemed reasonably content. The last six months have been frustrating, but he thinks he's on the right path now. Yeah, we know when Fanini's on, he's on, uh, Fabio. There are days he can walk out and be uh, a little uh, disinterested or not prepared to really uh, grind, but when he's on, uh, you're right, I think it was his 403rd match win on clay across all levels of uh, you know ITFs, uh, challenges, uh, the ATP Tour across his career, a, a surface he's predominantly played on. So, yeah, it was always going to be, um, no doubt, a, a difficult customer. So, Jason Kubler through, Darius Seville on uh, the verge of victory here, 6-1-5-1. What about the other Aussies today? There's some certainly tough matchups, none tougher than playing Rafael Nadal on centre court. Sam Groth knows all about that a few years ago. Had a little uh, joke on Channel 9 a little bit earlier uh, yes. tonight. One of his yes. uh, worst nightmares. And Jordan Thompson's got that assignment against... Uh, Raffer in a few hours' time. Look, uh, Jordan was in practice uh, with James Duckworth on Saturday. Uh, he looked a little frustrated. Um, you know, good to see Duckworth back and, and playing. Um, he uh, he texted through a message to, to reporters later saying that, you know, arguably there's no tougher task in tennis than uh, than playing Rafa Nadal at the French Open on uh, Philippe Chartreau, which uh, I don't think anyone in the world would argue with. <laughs> um, but he was going to give it his best shot. Yeah. Look, they played they played at Bercy a couple of years ago and, and Rafa got the better of him. Mm. Um, I, I suppose there's intrigue around Nadal given you know, how we saw him limp off the court in, in Rome, the fact that he hasn't won a, a clay court tournament leading in, which you know, in itself is extraordinary. So we don't really know how he how he is fitness-wise or health-wise, but he has looked reasonable in practice. He certainly looked like he's had no issues in practice this week. So, look, I'd love to see Jordan play an almighty match and and, and really take it up to the to the Spanish champion and, and to get a win. I think that would be his wildest dreams, but it would also be one of the great upsets in sport, I think, if It'd that was to occur. Phenomenal. Uh, Tom Lanovich has got kind of eight. Now, he saw Isla pull out of her... Uh, quarterfinal in Morocco had that uh, I think right thigh heavily bandaged. So Conovate, no, not you know Clay hasn't been necessarily her best surface. Milman against Seb Quarter, that's going to be a tough one. Uh, obviously, a young man on the rise. Uh, Duckworth, as you mentioned, back after what four months out. Uh, Duck up against Mikhail Yima, uh, the Swede. So uh, a potential uh, opportunity there, and uh, that is the day for uh, the Aussie Seville uh, through. There's just one on the text here, Gary from. Uh, Bomb Beach, while she, uh, your thoughts on uh, Dominic Team and his future? Yes. A little bit worrying. I mean, that was just a, a sad state of affairs to watch that yesterday. Uh, here's Hugo Delian uh, flying the flag for his country, Bolivia, his biggest moment. Uh, but yeah, the, the future of Dominic Team is an interesting watch. I think it's what his eleventh uh, straight loss since you know trying to come back. Uh, has missed effectively a year of tennis. The wrist pretty debilitating. Uh, mentally, after winning that US Open, he really battled there for a while. Uh, what are your own observations? Well, I mean, look, you know, at first glance, you look at the world number 87 playing the world 194 in the first round of a Grand Slam, and you think, 
you know, a, a three, two, and four loss is probably fairly predictable. But when it's Hugo Delian, who, you know, to his credit, it's a great win by him, and, and you know, he should absolutely be celebrated for that. But when it's Dominic Team, who is the world 194 and playing, probably not even like the world 194 yesterday, he didn't look that threatening at all. It's it's really a concern. Uh, you know, the red dirt of Roland Garros seemed, in part, to be like quicksand for him. You know, he wasn't, didn't seem to be moving as well. The forehand lacks pop or punch, which is understandable given that's the, you know, it's been problematic for him that wrist. Afterwards, he talked about, you know, seven straight losses since his return from from the from the wrist injury and, and eleven, as you said, in, in total, as you were sort of battling through the pain, sort of towards the latter stages before he decided to to take the plunge and have some surgery. He said it's going to take him a long time. My, my concern is that the next step is grass. Mm. And, and, you know, that's never really been his favoured surface. So the next season is the grass court season. Then you get to the US. Now, he is a US Open champion. He's an Indian Wells winner. Yep. Uh, you know, really, he took great strides in a lot of stages pre-injury on hard courts. But they're slick, and you need to be absolutely firing and full of confidence uh, on those courts, so mm. so I do have some concerns as to where that next win will come. Yep. He, he's to, he's spoken about stepping back to challenges. Now that's that's the Andre Agassi path. Agassi took that path, went back to went to play, back to play some challenges, you know, and was then able to return and, and you know really punctuate his career with a, an outstanding sort of surge in his thirties. Let's hope that Dominic can. A, find confidence in his body, find the pop again on his forehand. You know, the, the revolutions are down on the top spin. Yep. Let's hope that, as he said, it'll take him some time. He said it would be more surprising if he was getting wins at the moment. Uh, you know, that's a concern in itself, I think. Um, but I do hope that, you know, later in the year, he really starts to find his mojo. The problem is, with his ranking where it's at, you know, it's it's a long way back. He will have to play challenges as it is yep. uh, in some, some you know, some way shape or form so yeah it's it's a concern you, you don't like to see champions really far below their best and, and that's where he is at the moment it's you right. know for a guy who is the yeah considered the successor to Rafael Nadal as a two-time finalist at Roland Garros to be beaten so meekly on Sunday is a concern. Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, watch at the moment. One last one uh, for you, and I only bring this up because we were discussing it having hit a pedal tennis a couple of weeks ago, and I got this on our Twitter account. Another question from me, uh, from mm. our avid tennis uh, fan on the you know, Twitter. Ben Rothenberg tweeted that Tennis Australia was meeting in Rome to discuss a mixed ATP WTA event instead of the ATP Cup, uh, potentially for 2023. Do you know if the ATP Cup will go ahead? Have you heard any whispers? I only bring it up with you, Walshie, because we were were uh, talking about it. I don't know whether you have learned any more, but no doubt uh, we are certainly both hearing there have been some discussions. Yeah, look, that's, you know, we, we discussed it about a week and a half ago. I've yet to have time since uh, I got into Paris very late Sunday night and uh, yesterday was uh, quite a long day. So I'm yet to, yet to have any sort of time to actually chase that down to see if there's anything further to it. But it is certainly something I'll, I'll make some inquiries and, and see where it's at because, that does reshape. I mean, you know, the investment in the ATP Cup was, I think it was a 10-year contract, perhaps mm. a 20-year contract, mm. uh, but it was certainly a, a lengthy contract. We're three years into it. Yep. Clearly, COVID has had a massive impact, uh, you know, in, in every regard in terms of the, the Australian summer, although we've been lucky to get through, I think, the last couple of years. But for WA to miss out, and we know how parochial Western Australians are, how much they love the Hopman Cup, you know, I, I think that was probably... In hindsight, uh, not the right move at a time where 
men and women are, are men and women's tour are operating operating more in uh, in union than what they have. Um, so I'll be fascinated to see. So I'll, I'll definitely make some calls and hopefully, uh, you know, when I'm next back on the show, uh, yeah, through the tournament, I'll uh, I'll have more information there. Terrific. We'll do a follow up on next Monday's show. Walshie, enjoy your Paris. We'll check in. You're going to do some work for us digitally as well. So look forward uh, to that and uh, enjoy uh, what's hopefully going to be a big two weeks at Roland Garros. Let's hope uh, we see an Australian into the second week and, uh, and someone like a Kubler or a Dimonor or a Seville having you know, some, some great tennis ahead of them. It'd be uh, fantastic to see. It'd be beautiful. Courtney Walsh live on the ground at this year's uh, French Open. We'll take a break. Uh, a whole lot more to peel apart. UTR, that's also on the menu. Wimbledon and uh, the ongoing fast there with rankings points. All to come tonight on the first serve. Install a 6.6 kilowatt solar system plus battery installed from just $25 per week at B Solar. Call 1-800-932-536. And GLG Green Life Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Back for a Monday night as we always are. A little extended edition through to 9.30 uh, tonight. Right on cue, Daria Seville. Nice work, Dasha, 6162. Just over an hour, she is through to the second round of Roland Garros, joining uh, Jason Kubler from uh, last night. So hopefully a day where the Aussies can have some success or are some tough matchups. That was one on paper we thought uh, certainly should go the way of the Aussie, and she's been building all year. Uh, this is a good comeback. She's got her fitness back. She needs her feet to move. Uh, she had the Achilles uh, problems there for a while, which really hampered her movement, which is her real go-to, like Alex uh, Dimonor and uh, great to see a smile uh, back on the face of Daria Seville, of course. As well, she said, you know, should be really back around that top 50 uh, mark. Uh, all our updates, thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre. It's a little mi- a mini Melbourne park in Melbourne's north. It's got tennis for everyone. Perfect also for coaches and players if you're coming from interstate to train and compete. Close to Melbourne Airport with accommodation available. Find out more at uh, humetennis.com.au. We'd love your calls on the French uh, tonight, one three hundred seven three six. 736 or anything else to do with the world of tennis or you can get us on the tennis direct text 0433981116. Always like to hear from Mario at Meslin Beach. I know you were with on uh, Kimbo on the Rooch when I was on there a little bit earlier uh, this afternoon. Uh, Mario, why haven't the Frogs named a court after Rafael Nadal? Surely the King of Clay deserves that honour. Well, I suppose when you think about it, uh, Mario, he's he's not French and I don't think they're going to rename Centre Court to Philippe Chatrier. Um, uh, Suzanne Longlin, of course, was a great uh, French player going all the way back to the 20s. Their third court, uh, Simon Mathieu, uh, she was also uh, a star going all the way back. So no different uh, here in Australia with uh, Rod Laver Arena, Margaret Court Arena. Um, you know, even an ex-Victorian Premier we've named our third stadium after uh, the late John Kane. But... There's great reason behind that because he was instrumental in the setting up of Melbourne Park and the move from uh, Kuyong. Well, I think there's a, there's a magnificent statue of Rafa at uh, Roland Garros. And look down the track, uh, who knows, there might be some other honours, but you know he isn't French. Um, so you can win an event, uh, well, you know, 13 times. If he wins 14, it'd be quite extraordinary. I think it's going to be much tougher this year, but... Yeah, I think that would be uh, the explanation, certainly for mine. So just the other highlights of uh, day one. I sing the praises all the time of Carlos Alcaraz, uh, the young Spaniard, 12 months ago in qualifying at Roland Garros outside the top 100. Here he is as the world number six, and he's a contender. So we, uh, you know, we, we genuinely think, everyone that uh, follows a bit of tennis, we genuinely think uh, that you know, he can 
certainly win the French Open, that he is ready. I mean, he's 19 years of age, yes, uh, but he is, you know, certainly right in the frame. He had a solid win against uh, Londero uh, overnight, um, pushed in the first set, but then got through 6-4, love. So he really uh, powered away. And, look, he, I think, made the wise decision after winning Madrid not to play Rome to get himself right. He's a physical beast. He believes his moment is now. Uh, so it was great to, uh, you know, certainly sit on the set of uh, nine last night and watch uh, the fine efforts of Carlos Alcaraz. On Jabir, that has really opened up the women's draw, particularly uh, being on the same side as Maria Sakri. Maybe it allows her to make her first Grand Slam final, potentially, who was pretty solid on. So just didn't... Have the day where it all executed three six seven six seven five. So really small margins. Magdalene, who played Barty last year when Ash uh, went down with that hip injury at the French, uh, but she can play some good matches uh, certainly on uh, the bigger courts. Uh, but that's a disappointing uh, one for Ons, considering she won Madrid, uh, runner-up in Rome. Uh, what just over the last a few days. It just didn't quite go to plan, but that's uh, the women's draw, isn't it? There's always going to be a handful of uh, upsets. Uh, I loved uh, the work, and there's always a Smokey uh, in the draw who, even though you follow tennis to the nth degree, there's always a name that pops up that you've absolutely never heard of. Camilo Hugo Carabelli, Argentinian, four hours and 17 minutes, he knocked out Aslan Karatsev, 154 in the world. He never played a Grand Slam. I mean, just to have that sort of moment in the sun, whatever happens from here... He will never, ever forget that. And it's just a game changer with the check uh, that you get for making uh, the second round of uh, a Grand Slam. Uh, Belinda Bencic got through comfortably. Hutchinov just uh, looking down at uh, some of the seeds. Uh, of course, we lost to Muguruth is the other one. That's a disappointing loss for Gabinia Muguruth. I mean, she stands tall and regal in the court. Uh, she's a, a Grand Slam champion, of course, uh, a couple of times. But every time we think maybe Garbinia's going to get on a roll again and maybe be a Grand Slam contender, she has these really early exits at tournaments. So uh, that was disappointing, uh, certainly for her. But who's going to beat Iga Svantec? Uh, that is the question uh, this year. She's got uh, Lucia Sarinka. In fact, they've just jumped out on court out on Chatrier to uh, start uh, their match. And already Iga leads at five games to one. So who's going to beat her? 28-match win streak. She's won five titles in a row. Since Ash Barty, of course, retired and she jumped up to take the world number one ranking, no one has got near her. Her score lines have been absolutely devastating. So really, it appears her role in Garros to lose. And, you know, certainly I think the frame we put around the men is uh, Alcaraz. Uh, Djokovic, look, certainly is uh, building. He plays uh, today. In fact, he'll be in the night session uh, early hours of tomorrow morning against uh, Nishioka, uh, the Japanese left-hander. But... You know, Novak has been building and building from Belgrade to what a semi in Madrid to winning Rome in the lead up. So now he's got some continuity. He's got uh, the competitive groove back after you know the year was stalled with what happened in Australia, not allowed into America uh, to play Indian Wells and Miami. He uh, looks to be in a very good frame of mind. And we can't discount Nadal, even though he's hanging by a thread. He's always got the pain of the foot, uh, had the rib injury this year. Uh, but he is the greatest warrior to play the sport, Rafael Nadal, so we can't discount him. Uh, I think Jordan Thompson's going to be in for a very, very uh, tough day at the office. So all the attention certainly on the French, but just from a weekend perspective, from an Aussie perspective, I do want to give a shout-out to Omar Jaseka. And Omar is you know working his way back. We know the story. He won the 2014 US Open boys and double singles. He got to about 200. He then got, of course, banned from the tour for a couple of years, and we know the reasons behind that. 
That's been well documented. He comes back trying to get the fitness level back to play competitive tennis and then COVID strikes, which stalls that comeback. So he walks into this year, played a lot of UTRs last year, walks into this year with no ranking whatsoever. And he's uh, won again his third ITF 15K title over the weekend. So I think he's up to, what, about 32-8 and eight, uh, win-loss this year. His ranking's back up. And that's still to be updated. It's around about 500, but I think that'll, that'll come inside 500 when those points uh, tick over in the next uh, few days. Uh, watch the stream. We uh, had a conversation with Omar last night. We hopefully will get him on the show in the next week or two. I think we enjoy a redemption story. We enjoy a journey, a comeback. And he's uh, put in the work. He's got the fitness back to actually uh, play competitive tennis, and the lefties are always a danger. So well done to Omar. Akira Santalan made a final in Tunisia on the ITF Tour, a man with a, a wicked single-handed backhand who uh, perhaps could have had a far better career than what he has um, and really got himself entrenched in that top 200. But um, there are reasons certainly around that. So plenty going on from the Aussie front and hopefully a few can put their best foot forward at the French Open uh, this week. We'll take a break. Uh, plenty more to come. The first serve, your home at tennis, always on a Monday night. Happy to take uh, your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six or on the text 0433981116. Fight back against rising energy prices with a 6.6 kilowatt solar system from B Solar. Call 1-800-932-536 and GLG Green Life Group. Leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve. Your home of tennis. Welcome back. The first serve, Brett Phillips in the chair on this uh, Monday night. Uh, 1300 736 736. You always give us a call 0433 on the Tennis Direct text. You can go shopping there. Free delivery on orders over $150. Just visit their website, shop. While you listen to us, you've got that nice little 10% discount store wide using the promo code First Serve 10. Naomi Osaka is the latest casualty gone. She's not a natural clay quarter, Naomi. She doesn't really enjoy the sliding element on the clay. She has had no success at Roland Garros. So Amanda Enisimova, who Darren Cale did a bit of work with uh, this year, huge talent, uh, played Ash Barty in that semi-final back in 2019 in Paris, uh, which you know Barty came back to win and then go on to win the final. There, she had the very sad passing of her father. Uh, through the COVID um, era of last year, which derailed her for a little while there, and she's back. seven five six four, so not much in it. They played a great match at the Australian Open, which I think was out on Margaret Court Arena earlier this year. So Naomi Osaka joins On Jabir and Garbina Muguruza as the three high-profile women out of the draw. I mean, unseated Osaka. We know what's uh, the reasons behind that over the last uh, 12 months. She is certainly uh, far better than that. Correspondence, uh, UTR, it's it's a fascinating watch. It really is. Now, anyone who's listened to this show regularly know that we've done a lot on uh, UTR. We had Lawrence Robinson from TA in the studio here a couple of weeks ago. We've had Tom Lana from Tennis Australia in the studio. We've had coaches. We've had players. Uh, we've had parents uh, giving me feedback. Now, I think if someone makes the effort to send you a four-page email, which I'm not going to read out, in full, clearly uh, tonight. What does that tell you? It's got to tell you something. I'll just read the first part of it uh, from uh, Kirsten. You seem interested in feedback on the current competitive play framework and UTR system. Here are my thoughts as a parent of two junior players in Canberra. Sorry, this is a long email. Canberra parents 
who had kids in the National Development Squads, met with some Tennis Australia staff that sit under Lawrence during April. The feedback from parents was unanimous that the new competitive play framework had decimated ACT and New South Wales regional tournaments and there are now fewer quality competitive play opportunities now for NDS-level players that there were under the AR system, the Australian ranking system. Parents didn't hate UTR itself, but hated what it had done to the tournament opportunities for players. A couple of the under-10 parents said they hadn't been impacted as much as this age group were already playing mostly in the ACT, doing junior development tournaments, green ball pennant and super 10s. But for the 11 and above age group, it had been a strong negative impact. It was noted there are few players that are travelling to the ACT or regional New South Wales where Canberra players usually focused their competitive efforts. Most of the problems seem to be flowing from the impact of the UTR and tiering. The two uh, Tennis Australia representatives seem quite receptive to the feedback, including discussion around options such as introducing a hybrid ranking rating system where rankings was used to select entries, nationals, teams, etc. and UTR for seedings. However, the commentary from Lawrence on your show makes it quite clear that Tennis Australia will not be making any changes despite the overwhelming feedback from players and participants. It appears that they will instead be defending their decisions, including by selectively presenting data that supports their decisions. It should be noted that while many players are still engaging with the current system, they need matches, in brackets, the vast majority do not support the changes. Now, that's just a little section of a four-page email that I've been sent uh, this week. And a little follow-up to that from Kirsten today. In the latest saga in Canberra, a 10-year-old has been granted an exemption to play in the Men's Open as there was no one of a similar UTR entered in the 18 and under junior unisex event. It is all such a mess. One three hundred seven three six seven three six, or on the text oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. We've spent a bit of time on this space, and we'll continue to, and we'll continue to listen to all stakeholders, and we'll invite Tennis Australia to keep coming on the program to present their findings. And certainly, when Lawrence left this studio a couple of weeks ago, and we had a great chat off air. I've known Lawrence for quite some time. He certainly acknowledged that there was a fair bit of work to do. Uh, to get out and explore what's happening regionally in the country, up to all the states, the impact of UTR, and it probably does differ a little bit across uh, the different states of Australia, but there are some really common themes across all the states as well. And as someone told me in the last uh, 48 hours, and they've looked through all of this, they cannot believe, they cannot believe that Tennis Australia are using UTR as uh, a rating slash ranking. So that's the unique aspect of it all. Where does it all go? There's a bit more digging, uh, certainly, to look at. There's a few more angles, certainly, to look at. And we'll explore this uh, continually on our show over uh, the coming weeks, I can uh, certainly tell you. But there are people uh, that I speak to very regularly who are totally up in arms about UTR since it's been rolled out here in Australia around our um, uh, tournament structure, uh, competitive play, whatever level, uh, that has been more negatively um, uh, received than positively received. There was also one here I received in our mailbag uh, this week, and you can always send me some long-form correspondence, the first serve, sen at gmail.com. Hey there, Brett, just got a question for TA next time you get in contact. Just wondering when they will be able to fix many people's profiles online. I know many people myself who have uh, duplicate profiles or merge results 
that are incorrect. If they aren't willing to fix these problems as soon as possible, then the whole system simply falls apart. For example, my first round of Grade 1 pennant in Victoria, I played a person with two profiles. One that was a UTR of 10.5 and his other was 11.5 and both have results from the previous two years. Of course, my result was put against his lower account. Now, as I've always mentioned, I will also pass on this uh, feedback uh, to uh, TA uh, right throughout this uh, UTR discussion. And here's a little positive as we head to the break on uh, in the mailbag this week. Uh, love the work you guys are doing for tennis in our country. Uh, another notable win for up-and-coming 16-year-old junior Taylor Preston, defending world number two junior Sophia Kostoulis. Uh, she did play in the junior final at the Australian Open on Rod Laver this year to advance to the quarters in Milan uh, in the lead-up to the French Open juniors. This kid is going to make Aussies proud. Watched her at AO Qualies, was super impressed. So, yeah, there's Talia Gibson and there's Taylor Preston, both WA girls who have got a lot of talent. And right now... Uh, certainly on the women's side, we need a couple of uh, feel-good stories, uh, all still recovering, of course, from Ash Barty retiring a few months ago. We need some juniors, uh, certainly, to come through. We'll take a break. Plenty more to come. The first serve, your home of tennis. Fight back against rising energy prices with a 6.6-kilowatt solar system from B-Solar. Call 1-800-932-536 and GLG Greenlife Group. Leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve. Your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve. Always great to have uh, B Solar on board. Uh, you can fight back against the rising energy prices. That magnificent 6.6 kilowatt solar system plus battery from B. Solar. It's installed from just $25 per week. Qualify for the uh, Sun Pay program and you'll receive uh, 70% lower electricity bills for the first 12 months. That is absolutely guaranteed. So get on to our good friends at uh, B. Dot solo. You can call that one eight hundred nine three two five three six tomorrow. Just watching Iga Swiatek, the world number one, at the corner of my eye. She is heading for win number twenty nine in a row. Six two three love on the verge of four love, which uh, is um, just happened, I think, because uh, Serenko has just sent that forehand wide. So uh, in total control, uh, Iga Swiatek. Uh, the other big talking point, we are through a little longer tonight, so a bit more to come after uh, 9 o'clock. Uh, Wimbledon, this has absolutely turned into a fast. Now, we have put up an article only about 40 minutes ago on our website at thefirstserve.com.au. Uh, Roddy Reynolds and Val Febo, our two writers have combined a piece, um, the for and against, uh, for the decision uh, by the ATP and the WTA to strip Wimbledon of uh, rankings points. And then Wimbledon, of course, released a statement on the weekend that they're not budging uh, whatsoever. They are firm in their decision that no Russian or Belarusian players will play at the championships uh, this year. And it's an interesting read. Uh, I'd love your feedback on it once you go onto our website. Take a look. Uh, send us some correspondence on that, the first serve, SEN at gmail.com, and we'll follow that in the lead-up to Wimbledon and whether there's going to be any shift here from uh, certainly either side. Look, I've said on a number of programs uh, today across uh, the SEN network that I, I still can't believe that Wimbledon can make a call uh, like this. I'm actually pleased from my own point of view that the ATP and the WTA, who have never been great at collaborating together uh, for the betterment of the game. We've actually come here and made a strong statement because the players are individual contractors. They have a bracket, uh, a couple of brackets next to their name with a country abbreviated, but they represent themselves. They travel the world. They don't live in Russia. Uh, they're, they're really sole traders, if you like, who are going about earning an income. They've got their expenditure. 
and how they should be penalised because their country has decided to go to war and invade another country. They've got nothing to do with the political system. That's my uh, view on it. But I, having an understanding of Wimbledon, and it's, it is the most prestigious of the four Grand Slams, there would have been a lot of pressure, certainly from the government, their connection to the royal family, who uh, are patrons who present the trophy every year. I can, I can part understand that. Uh, but I think the ATP and the WTA needed to make a statement, in my view, and they have in terms of abolishing the rankings points. So there's still the prize money. There's still the prestige of list, lifting the Wimbledon trophy. But, yeah, this is what you play tennis for, the Grand Slams, where you earn maximum points or very, very good points if you can uh, certainly go well at a slam. Uh, Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist are Asti Tennis Courts. They're trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Check out aste.com.au. There's a bit more on UTR after the break and a few other things to whip through on the first serve. Fight back against rising energy prices with a 6.6 kilowatt solar system from B Solar. Call 1800 932 536 and GLG Green Life Leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve. Uh, on, uh, of course, your uh, home of uh, sport, SEN. Uh, we are through to an extended uh, half hour. All thanks to our very good friends at uh, B Solar and also uh, GLG uh, Green Life Group. one three hundred seven three six seven three six or on the text uh, 433 We're watching the uh, Sviontek steam train at the moment. 625 Love Juice on the Serenko serve. Uh, the world number one is uh, hitting for a uh, 29th straight victory. It's ominous. Absolutely ominous. Uh, I can't take my eyes off eager. It's busy. There's a lot happening. On the UTR front, Chris Indiriman on the text, the Tennis Direct text, in regard to UTR, when entering some UTR tournaments, players' names or UTR is not listed. If you need your child to play uh, versus certain players of certain levels, you might draw a player with a much lower UTR. How do you know whether to enter your child in that UTR? Chris, I will uh, store that question and get some uh, more feedback uh, from Tennis Australia during the course of the week and we'll uh, continue to explore that. But I know you're very uh, passionate as a parent out there and uh, certainly concerned about UTR. Uh, For those that were listening to the show uh, last week, of course, I went down to the National Tennis Centre down next to John Kane Arena there. There was an under-11s camp and we uh, spoke to uh, young Isabel Keynes. It was uh, fantastic. Alan Jones, former Australian player, her coach, uh, Paul Vasalo, Director of Talent at Tennis Australia. Great to have the kids uh, back, uh, the best around the country. I also kept caught up with uh, Damien Prasad, who's the uh, physical conditioning coach. So he works across all the levels, from the juniors all the way up to the pros, to get them in physical nick to play professional tennis. I've got pretty much the juniors that start at the Super 10s. So there's, there's that program, then go through to the National Development Squads, which are more after-school programs. Then we've got the support players, which are the better uh, national players in our state. And then uh, all the way through to the pros. Um, at the moment, we've got a couple of rehabbing pros here. Most are over in Europe, obviously, playing in the clay lead up to Roland Garros and then the grass. So it's, uh, there's a fair bit going on, but uh, really enjoying having the, the youngsters back in training. Take us inside your space. I mean, sports science, uh, conditioning, strength and conditioning, it's continued to evolve, obviously, across the generations. And you know, tennis being a more physical game than it ever has been. When you watch high-level tennis, you just think, how on earth are they? 
these uh, these players standing upright at the end. But take us behind the scenes and the work you do, and from that pro level, and then what what do you try and introduce down here to build that that base, if you like? Yeah, great question. I think at the at the elite level, it's it's great to have that sense of what's required physically and like you said they're incredible athletes now they can all swing their racket they've all got the skill and talent level but it comes down to who can move better who's got the strength the power the endurance to go the distance uh, both in the men's and women's now it's, it's incredible how it's involved so if we reverse engineer from that elite level all the way down to these you know, young 11 year olds we know that we've got a pathway we do very similar assessments to what the pros do it's not as complicated or comprehensive but we do very similar tests in terms of physical competency physiological testing so we, we're gathering data at this really young age and we're tracking them all the way through the pathway till hopefully they get to the NTA in Brisbane and then follow on to be pros so I guess the, the key area is training all elements or capacities of their physicality from a young age prioritising based around their maturation age a lot of people get confused with maturation and chronological age chronological age is fantastic but obviously girls mature earlier go through puberty earlier boys a little bit later but if we can uh, do a, a measurement for peak height velocity, we can really predict when they're going to have that big growth spurt and we can plan their training prior to, during and after that big growth spurt or peak height velocity. So that's really crucial for athlete development, particularly in tennis players. I think when it comes down to competing, if a player has a brand of being a good athlete, can move well, has great endurance to go the distance... Uh, that can win matches, yeah. absolutely. At the elite level, Serena did that really well. David Ferrer did that really well. So we instill that in, in our youngsters that, hey, if you go to a tournament and your name's in a draw, you want your opponents to see your name and go, wow, that's a strong player. They move well yeah. and they can go the distance. So, yeah, absolutely. We try to start at this young age to get them with that mindset of developing uh, into really good athletes. And how valuable is it to have the Aussies when they do have little windows to get back here? Do you, are you able to sort of utilise them to bring them down to these sort of settings as an example and just to be able to talk about their own experiences? Absolutely. In fact, yesterday I had Mark Polmans and Alex Bolton in the gym. Um, we're hammering out a, a strength circuit, a strength endurance circuit, and the boys, they were hurting. They were really hurting. There was sweat everywhere and <laughs> they were grunting and, and the youngsters came in and observed that session. So it was really important for them to see what hard work the boys put in, um, any professional athlete puts in to their training and their preparation. And this just this morning, I, I had them in the gym going over a warm-up routine. We're starting those professional routines at a young age and Mark and, and, and Bolte were in the gym and they had a chat about their journey, their career, how they started in our Tennis Australia pathway. So um, I think it was it was good that the kids, you know, were, were, were fully aware and, and eyes open and, and, and keen to hear the story and their journey from being 10 now through to professionals at 25, 29 and uh, out in the pro circuit playing Grand Slams. So it's been a really good opportunity for the juniors. Uh, but yeah, having the, having the seniors in this is, is massive to lead the way. So that is the voice of uh, Damien Prasad, physical conditioning coach down at Tennis Australia, trying to really uh, get the, the groundwork into the juniors to build their frame and their capacity to play uh, competitive tennis uh, going uh, through the ranks. i uh, tell you one player who's playing uh, impressive uh, competitive tennis, Iga Sviontek. Uh, where are you, Ricks? I think the fat lady's up. The fat lady is up. 54 minutes for the world number one. She's through to the second round, 6-2, 6 love. Apart from our show here on a Monday night, we have a, a library of content at the first serve, a number of podcasts that you can listen to when it suits you because there is so much to cover, certainly in this sport, that we don't get a chance to always do in extended detail. Uh, Aussies only, uh, Play USA, crunching the numbers. Our newest edition is called The Grind, and to be able to make it in competitive tennis, you've got to play the ITFs, you've got to play the challenges. Alex Johnston is the host, 
And for the first edition, he has caught up with Mike Cation, uh, of course, US tennis commentator who does a lot of the Challenger Tour over in the States. Um, yeah, just, just talking about the the challenges of uh, just promoting the Challenger circuit. Uh, here's a bit of uh, the podcast. Over here in Australia, they're, they're just not really spoken about at all. So one of our writers, Todd Schooler, wrote a piece, The Challenge of Challenges, and he sort of just mentioned how in Australia they're not really promoted enough, they're not talked about, they're not celebrated. Kind of over here we have a bit of Australian Open Syndrome where it's all, all at the pinnacle and even even outside of that, you know, we only we have the ATP Cup, which is a bit wish-washy anyway, and then a couple of ATP and WTA events, and that's really it. I, I reckon it's a great tour, and more could be done of it here. So what's the coverage like over there in the States? Because it really seems to work well over there. Yeah, it's we, for, for a couple of years, right before the pandemic, Alex, we actually had cooperation with Tennis Channel. Um, so our, our challenger events were getting on Tennis Channel, and it was a great opportunity, I think, for um, the, you know, we got to showcase some of these younger players, which I think is really helpful. I think right now, um, as you know very well, the, the television market is changing so much, right? And, and obviously, it's been the last 10 years with so much moving over to streaming. Right now, you're seeing worldwide as i mentioned earlier every single challenger is streamed around the world so you can watch every single challenger match um, top to bottom at any time i think it's just a matter now of finding a way to get more of more of the challenger matches not just on atpchallenger.tv but also finding a way i who's who's the is it is it nine there in australia that that has the tennis or is it seven yeah so nine's got the tennis now they put a lot of the stuff through their streaming service stand behind a paywall. So you have to pay the 13 a month or whatever it is, then another seven sport package. So yeah. So it's, it's, it's a matter though of, of getting tennis channel to put these back on their tennis channel plus tennis channel three, you know, tennis channel four. It doesn't necessarily have to be on the linear. You're not going to get people who are going to turn down watching, say, Indian Wells to watch Phoenix, right? To use that example. You're, it's just not going to happen. However, having it as a secondary option, if, say, you're not, don't want to watch what's on, you know, the Indian Wells coverage, but having something on Tennis Channel 3, I think that's the right play. Having, a, a, you know, for you guys at 9, having it on one of the backup 9 channels streamed only, that's the right play. I think they're it would be amazing if if the uh, national bodies and also ATP WTA themselves worked towards that and, and help to kind of push it. It's You're probably not going to get nine. You're probably not going to get Tennis Channel who are just going to pony up a lot of money. However, in terms of the growth of the, the and, and health of the tour itself, both locally and globally, to have the challenger levels available on streams where it might be picked up by a few more eyes because you might have the package of, of, of channel nine down there or Dennis channel here. That's kind of the next level to get more and more eyes on it. And I can tell you one of my favorite moments was in Dallas a couple of years ago, it was 2019 tennis channel. Uh, they had something during the day, European Montpellier or something like that during, during the day. But they would come and do our feature matches every night at seven o'clock and nine o'clock on the main tennis channel. And on day two, so Tuesday night, a woman came up to me and she said, I had no idea there was a challenger in Dallas. I'm three hours away. 
I saw it on Tennis Channel last night. And I just, I said, I'm, I'm going there tomorrow. And so she was so excited. She just didn't know there was this event. It just goes to show that if you just, again, show that it's there, show that that level is very high, people will come. It's yeah. just finding that way to get Tennis Channel executives to look past just like, oh, it's the lower level. Just got to kind of accept that it helps grow the game, helps elevate just the interest level in Challenger Tennis and what it actually can mean. So that is the voice of Mike Cation, who's a very learned voice in this space. So check out The Grind. We're going to have a couple of editions a month uh, through our website, thefirstserve.com.au, or you can just subscribe to The First Serve, whatever podcast platform you're on, and you'll get uh, all our content, our show uh, replayed here on a Monday night. Uh, also, our other podcast is uh, Where Are They Now? We've done part one with uh, Brad Stein, uh, Rowan Williams, who's uh, coaching, of course, Luke Saville and J.P. Smith. I caught up with uh, Rowan when he was back in Melbourne uh, last week before taking off for the French, and he'll stay uh, abroad now till about uh, September. But just reflecting on uh, part one of Brad Stein, is coaching Tommy Paul, and uh, part two, which will be coming up in the next few days. Yeah, thanks, Brett. Uh, yeah, it was really fun to sit down and talk with Brad. I've known him for a couple of years. Yeah, don't have to do too much to get the conversation rolling with him. So obviously he's been around forever as well. So he's got a ton of great stories and a ton of great info. Yeah, it was a great chat. Some of the stuff that he did with Jim, I think probably especially how young he was, that they were his first couple of jobs. Uh, I think that's a pretty unique experience. And then just knowing him now, kind of the energy that he still has, he's been doing it as long as he's been doing it, and that he still has so much energy and passion for it. It's pretty... uh it's pretty cool, pretty inspiring. Yeah, well, make sure you go and have a listen if you haven't through, of course, our website, thefirstserve.com.au. You can subscribe to uh, The First Serve and get all our podcasts. So you've been working with Luke and JP in the early part of this year. That dynamic's going to just change a little bit? Yeah, uh, yeah, just with some rankings and cutoffs. So they'll play where they can get in, and then they're going to have to split to uh, to try and get in for French Open, uh, Wimbledon, and the grass court events. So we'll see how it works out in the weeks coming after that potentially more intense than the singles tour the results are a little bit more unpredictable as well because so many of the matches are close I mean everyone will probably tell you the same thing like the matches come down to a few points here and there and a lot of people are good you know we just played a few challenges and playing the singles guys in challenges on clay still so so tough it's hard work for the boys yeah just a, a final one from a, a bigger picture point of view. We've got Wimbledon coming up. You've been there many times. What's going on with the Russian and Belarusian players? It would be the most drastic move that we've seen in tennis for a long, long time if rankings points were stripped. A bit to play out. It's a fascinating story. I get a little bit disappointed when sport and politics come together. I guess I'm a bit of a purist and I'd like sport just to be sport. I'm not naive to naive enough to think that that's the way it always is, but it's it's a tough one i mean there's arguments for both sides i'd prefer to for the events to be real events obviously play for the points play for the money anyone that's eligible to play can play tennis is it's known for being probably the most international sport the players generally representing themselves for me i'd like to see them playing if they can be playing if they want to play yeah caught up with rowan uh, just prior to that decision being made by the ATP and the WTA, but I think that's reflective of a lot of people in uh, tennis. So uh, it's a bit 
going on in the world of tennis outside of Roland Garros at the moment. I can tell you, play has been suspended on the outside course. Bit of rain in the French capital. We've got the roof on uh, Chartres, of course, so the day uh, will continue. Barbora Krachikova, the uh, defending champion, will be up next, and then Rafael Nadal up against uh, Jordan Thompson. Yarra Tennis coaching at Eaglemont. It's an absolute beauty. Shane Scrutton and his team out there, over 30 years of uh, coaching experience. His mission, Shane, is simply to improve your game. Just off the Eastern Freeway, you go around to the left there, beautifully nestled in. Uh, to a nice part of the world. Check out yarratennis.com.au whether you're a complete beginner or a serious player. We'll come back and uh, wrap up the show. Fight back against rising energy prices with a 6.6 kilowatt solar system from B Solar. Call 1-800-932-536 and GLG Green Life Group. Leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve. Your home of tennis. Our final little part of the show on this uh, Monday night. I can tell you play suspended on the outside courts at the moment. Barbora Krachikova coming up on Shatria under the roof. Uh, Igor Sviontek, the defending champion, through 6-2-6 love. We've still got Aussies to come today. One winner, Daria Seville, which is magnificent, uh, confirmed that her second-round opponent will be Petra Kvitova. So Petra has uh, got through her match, 7-6-6-1, up against the Hungarian uh, Bonda. The other matches completed today. Amanda Anisimova, 7-5-6-4, has beaten Naomi Osaka, who is uh, out of the tournament. And a lot of matches are in progress. Uh, as we speak, uh, of course, uh, the only roofed court is uh, centre court over in Paris. Bianca Andrescu is trying to get back the uh, former US Open champion. She's three love up against uh, Bonaventure, the uh, uh, French player there in the uh, uh, third set. So we'll keep an eye on that. And there's uh, a few other little results that have come through. Petrovic uh, Petkovic, 6462. Uh, Zing, 6-3-6-1 has got through. And a few other matches certainly in uh, progress. And uh, the men's uh, just underway. Also got this into the mailbag uh, this week. The irony of no Wimbledon points, uh, likely resulting in Medvedev returning to number one. And both Serena and Federer being unranked is not lost on me. So scared of Putin's uh, propaganda, yet they're handing it to him on a shiny silver platter. If you want to send in a view at any time, you can do so in longer form on the email. You can go on the text like uh, Moondog has added South Marine. Will Kyrgios ever win a Grand Slam before he retires? Well, Moondog, I think as the years are ticking, it's becoming highly unlikely. And I know it's a question that I get asked a lot. I know it's a question that everyone wants a yes to because we want Australians to do well to do well and really excel in this game at the the pinnacle of the sport. It's it's tougher than ever before because there are players popping up from countries that have never produced tennis players. So the competition is uh, pretty hot. So how we measure the Aussie success, we've all probably got a different opinion on uh, all of that. And we can only hope in the next uh, few days that we get an Australian through to the second week. Alex Dimonor, he'll play Tuesday, our number one male, you know, dashes in some really good form. She's a top 50 player. Uh, well, she and I certainly agree on that. Uh, she was 20 in the world before injuries uh, really crueled her for the best part of a couple of years. But unless you're in love with the game, unless you're prepared to embrace the whole lifestyle and travel, and it, you know, we've, we've seen it with Dominic Team. I mean, mentally it does uh, it does wear you down, uh, no doubt about that. But Nick's never been wanting to do that. So I don't want to sound like a broken record, but unless you're prepared to embrace it fully. You're only going to get part-time results if you're a, a part-time participant. So Nick could win anything, uh, but I think it's just too hard to just rock up and let your natural talent come to the fore. You've got to do the hard work 
uh, because the level of competition, I mean, look at Elkaraz, look at Holger Rune from uh, Denmark, look at the absolute best in Djokovic and Nadal. They're just unbelievable competitive beasts. And, you know, when you go and watch these guys train, you watch all the one percenters, the prep they do to be the best version themselves, there are no shortcuts in professional tennis, professional sport for that matter. So you can have all the talent on your little finger, but if you're not prepared to uh, go to the next level, have a coach in your corner, you're just not going to you're not going to excel. So that that's okay if that's where you want to be, uh, and that's where Nick Kyrgios seems to be happy to be, and that's okay. That is okay. Uh, Yonex, it's uh, great to have them on board. Seventy six years of performance product crafted in Japan. Check out their latest range at uh, yonex.com. So we'll continue to cover the French uh, right across the week as we do, uh, right through our social channels. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our YouTube channel. You can subscribe to that, uh, TikTok, if that uh, takes your uh, fancy. And some great stuff going up on our website, particularly from our feature team at thefirstserve.com.au. So that's pretty easy just to log on to each day, get your fix, and we'll be right across the Aussies at uh, every single level. Whilst uh, all the focus is on Roland Garros uh, this week, there are so many other Australians who are playing on the Challengers, playing on the ITF Tours, who are trying to uh, get to a point where they might be able to dream one day uh, they could play at uh, Grand Slam level. So not an easy level to get to, but there's plenty out there who are certainly grinding, uh, trying to do their best. We'll certainly keep on the UTR discussion. I know it is a very, very passionate topic here in Australia. And we'll continue to have that part of our show for the upcoming week. So continue to liaise with me because you out there listening are at the coalface of the sport. You're a club land, you're at association uh, level, you're seeing everything on the ground. So I love your feedback. Uh, we'll always do the right thing here and get uh, both sides of the story, certainly from Tennis Australia and their endeavours to um, provide the best framework uh, for our future hopefuls. And we'll continue that discussion and see where it goes. Uh, no doubt some things uh, certainly need to be uh, rectified in that space, uh, considering uh, some of the feedback, a lot of the feedback we've received since the full rollout as of uh, January uh, 1. Well, it's going to be a big night. Uh, grab a couple of uh, coffees, I reckon. Hopefully uh, the Aussies can do OK. I'll catch you on the screens of uh, Channel 9. Stan Sport a little bit later on through the very early hours of the morning. And uh, let's get a few through. Johnny Milman, let's get him fired up. Isla Tom Lenovich, James Duckworth is uh, back playing. Uh, the duck after four months out. And uh, Jordan Thompson, what a moment if he could beat Rafa. I know we're dreaming. Glass half full. You've got to be. We'll do it again. Eight o'clock next Monday night. Hit them well. If you're out having a hit this week, at the middle, preferably. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.